are worlds between our own, and from these worlds there are written histories, both ancient and modern. To read of these testaments scrawled in hidden places and on other things, you must fix your eyes uncomfortably within you, and if successful, your gaze will unlock the door behind raw imagination and meet the manuscript of innumerable folios known as the Dark Darkness. Hello, I'm Shark Child, and this is The Dark Verse. Short stories of occult, metaphysical, and fantastical horror that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. Happy holidays, everyone. I am just in time to deliver a special tale of family and togetherness. But first, I just want to update everyone on the Kickstarter project for The Dark Verse volume four because i haven't been back on the podcast to say anything about it it ended back in november and it was an awesome success so i just want to say thank you to everyone who participated in that that is the lifeblood of what i do with my story so i have the podcast and i get my stories out there but but the books are my real passion that's where everything that i do here all of this um blood, sweat, and tears that I put into the podcast, that's the culmination is in these books. So it means everything to uh, be able to publish these stories in these books. And so Kickstarter is, is great and fantastic and allows me to do that. And you also are what allow me to do that because you support my campaigns. And so thank you. Um, I actually do have a pledge manager for the Kickstarter project, so there's actually still time to get on board. I will go ahead and put a link um, in the info of this episode, and you can also find the links on uh, Facebook or at thedarkverse.com. So, so keep a lookout for those if you want to still hop into the campaign and get your name in the book and uh, get all the good rewards and stuff. There's still a chance for that. And now it's time for that special tale of family and togetherness. This is episode 112 of The Dark Verse, and it is entitled Advocate of Solace. The world had failed. Its evil and corruption had consumed the last vestiges of hope and joy. Desolation, homelessness, and starvation would be the final moments of humanity. This was clear to me as I sat at my divining table in the cold darkness of my observation deck, staring into the night through the panoramic outcrop of curved glass that surrounded my workstation. The vision of this nefarious doom lingered persistently beyond the reach of my craft, but on this evening it presented itself in potent force and breath. While my eyes and physicality perceived a forested mountain terrain blanketed in quiet night, the inner channels of my consciousness projected the grisly decay of the world. I shuffled my astrocanal deck and placed three cards face down in front of me. 
I then took the three astrocanal figurines that represented my three children, ebony sculptures that were two inches in height, and placed one atop each of the cards. One at a time, I lifted the figurines, the cards beneath sticking to their adhesive bases, and turned them on their sides so the contents beneath were propped up and facing my direction. Each card revealed the gravity of death delineation, a black astral circle with the skeletal debris of humans and beasts swirling within. The prophetic vision of demise then integrated these new revelations, delivering an intimateness within the carnage that permanently branded itself within my memory. I witnessed the cruel, sickening annihilations of my children and grandchildren within the putrefaction of a toxic event, a brutal and emotional effacement of the ones I loved. Tears streamed down my cheeks while I returned the figurines to their upright positions, covering the scathing images and ceasing the exacerbation of the divination. When I had collected myself, I selected the next card from the Astrocanal deck and placed it behind the other three. As with my children, I took my own ebony Astrocanal figurine and placed it atop the card. Instead of revealing the depiction on this card that would be my fate within the vision, I turned the future, an act of beseeching an alternate path, an alternate version of what was to come. I placed the next card in the deck behind the card containing my figurine and moved my figurine to it. I now flipped the card, exposing the contents, the Advocate of Solace. The image portrayed a gargantuan, radiant beast acting as a shield for distraught galactic travelers against an onslaught of dark celestial blasts. My vision acquired the turned augury, and reconstructed the timeline of events, showing me a future that could be saved and the single way it could be achieved while simultaneously keeping my family alive and together. I was shown him, the master of Astrocanal. I was shown the sweet Lord. The conclusion of this truth of witnessing caused my jaw to brutally snap shut. The tip of my tongue and fragments of my teeth fell away. The physical consequences of my divinations were always intense, but this halt was punishing. I folded my arms on the table and rested my head atop them. I felt the blood from my mouth smear across my sleeves. I had only ever beseeched the sweet Lord through divinations and readings of my Astrocanal deck. Never had I fully subjugated myself to his will. But now, with the pressing decimation incoming with absoluteness, I had the indoctrinated and philosophical right to do whatever was necessary to save my family. My most precious possessions were my children and grandchildren, and any grandmother would long for the protection of her family, but my desire was deeper and more selfish. I never wanted to lose them. I never wanted to be without them. There was a future that made this so. I lifted my head and looked out into the wilderness once more. Come, sweet Lord, I said, while dragging my index finger across my mouth and using the blood to draw the Master of Astrocanal's symbol on the window.
A streak of light flashed across the sky, and something crashed upon the side of one of the mountains in my peripheral view. A molten-like, swirling red and black mass glowed in the distance where the impact had occurred. The sweet Lord, in one of its iterations, had come. I hastily called upon my children and their families, beckoning them to my mountain home. Within a week, my entire family had gathered with me. I told them of the future and its demise, and I told them of their salvation and of the location of our Savior. Tomorrow we go before the sweet Lord. I told my loved ones as I pointed towards the Palantir Mass on the distant mountainside. There were eleven of us in all, my son, his wife, and his three daughters, my daughter, her husband, and her son, my youngest child, another daughter, and her husband, and myself. Slowly we hiked through the dense inclined forest that led towards the location of the sweet Lord. It was easy to tell that we were getting close to the ethereal entity when the temperature began to significantly rise. Warmth and humidity hit us like a heavy blanket. Small particles of ash floated all around, and a subtle haze blurred what visibility we had. There was an energy in the air that was physically felt. It pressed and prodded our bodies, letting us know there was something powerful ahead. The glow we had seen in the distance now was in our proximity. A fear crept up inside me, afraid not for myself, but for what my family was certainly feeling at this moment. This discomfort reached its fullness when the first visuals of the master of Astro Canal came into view. Through the trunks of trees an initial understanding of his form became apparent. His manifestation was solely a head the size of a house comprised of liquid rock. His neck was rooted in the ground. There was something terrifying in the way the mound head pivoted in recognition of our presence, something terrifying in knowing a higher being had noticed us. Come forward, the sweet lord said with a voice of thundering bass. The children, from the youngest at five years old to the eldest at fifteen, expressed acute fear, clinging to their parents and trembling uncontrollably. I grabbed the hands of those of my family beside me and bade everyone to move forward. We left the cover of the forest and entered a charred clearing where the impact of the sweet lord's arrival had scorched the nearby vegetation. The grand being's image came into full perception. The contour of the sweet lord's head was helmet-shaped and on its crown contained a collection of jagged, stalagmitic pillars that at their tips oscillated into spectral matter. Three cavernous red pits created his eyes, where viewing all three in unison hollowed an aspect of the mind, as if consciousness were solid and a mass had pushed itself within, deadening thought. His mouth was nothing but darkness, teeth and a tongue revealed themselves only with his speaking. Tell me what I know, his lordship said. Convince me of what I have already decided. The sweet lord stared intently at me after it spoke, while the animations of its fluidic rock flesh 
reverberated. I spoke out. Sweet Lord, I have seen the world as it becomes, and as I am before you, I choose not to exist. But I do not wish to not exist. So I ask you to make me not as I am, to make all of us not as we are. Join my family and me into a crusader of the future. Join us so that our time is of one, and that as one we have the power to overcome those influencers of damnation, to change what will be certain death into a hope for life. Tell me of the value I already see, the master of Astro Canal next said. We will be your disciple, we will be your legion, with your trust we will be your right hand and rally nations under your name. I said boldly. I have seen the future not as it is, but as it will be according to your insight, and it is endearing. This is the future that will be. My blessing is on you and your family. Come, walk into the cavern of my mouth. The sweet lord stretched his giant mouth into a doorway and extended its tongue into a ramp. Come, get in close, I said to my family while herding them into a huddle around me. Don't be afraid, I added, soothing the frightened mumblings of my grandchildren. Together, as an entity of love, we stepped into the sweet Lord's mouth. Close your eyes, I said. The palate of the sweet Lord then caved down upon us. Its moisture was not an accumulation of saliva secreted by glands, but an abundance of ectoplasm exuded from a gathering of interdimensional spirits enslaved within their master. These emanations wrapped around my family, filling the gaps between us and entering us to loosen our physical essences and make them malleable. The huge, muscular tongue beneath our feet then corralled us to the side of the mouth, where at once his lordship's powerful jaw began crushing us between sharp, unrelenting teeth. Chew after chew, we blended together into a pulpy mass of human debris and ethereal substance. Change then took hold. Rather than an initiation of metabolism, we began to take a new form, reshaped, we attained a cumulative cohesion where body was home. Like a family moves amongst a shared space, so my family and I were permanently merged as a carnal construct, solid in presence, yet fluid in configuration. Everything we needed to survive was now within us. Hydration, nourishment, aging, and mortality were no longer hindrances. Eyes, mouths, and other orifices were also no longer necessary. All sensory perception coursed to us through an inner portal by which vision, sound, depth, and data was sent as a transdimensional frequency directly from our sweet Lord. In furthering this family union, consciousness as we knew it folded. It gave way to a new foundation, a substructure of thought flowing from an archaic network of sentience where all of my family existed. We were now both separate and one. A strange collection of voice filtered through a canal of singularity where an instantaneous voting and prioritizing of choice and notion was harmonized. 
Our sweet Lord spat us to the ground before him. We flexed, embraced our new mucilaginous shape, and explored our mode of movement. We rolled over ourselves in sinuous muscular contractions, covering ground, whether flat or obstructed, with great speed. We had neither head nor limbs, nor front nor back. We were a constant fluctuation of mass as we moved and performed physical activity. You are the hero for a better future, the sweet lord said in an inspirational, congratulatory tone. You are the advocate of solace, and you will serve not only my will, but the wills of those who pray for life and honor life with integrity towards it. His lordship's head then petrified, ceasing in all movement, while his essence transcended from this realm in a shimmering dissipation. His form was left as a shrine for any who would stumble upon it. We, the advocate of solace, at once intervened against the horrors of the world and erected life where once death was the only conclusion. We did not grow weary, we did not grow old, and the sweet Lord was always with us. That concludes the 112th episode of The Dark Verse. You can listen to and or download all of the past episodes on iTunes at thedarkverse.com or on SoundCloud, among many other various sites. If you have an extra moment to spare, please give The Dark Verse podcast a rating and check out the magnificent Dark Verse hardcover books that include edited versions of these stories, along with some great artwork by John F. Stifter. Have a fantastic holiday season, and I will catch you soon with a new Dark Verse tale. All stories on the Dark Verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without his written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love.